you know, one of the things, I heard a 22-year-old person tell me, when I was a kid, and I was going, what do you mean when you were a kid? You are a kid. That they were complaining, like, when I was young, we had iPhone 2. And I was going, really? That's the big thing when you were young? And I'm thinking, at my age, which I'm probably thinking, people think I'm like the walking dead already, but I'm 56, 57 next week, that when I was young, I remember when we didn't have a color TV. When I was young, I remember when we had a remote, our remote for the TV was hooked with a cable, and my dad had to turn it. I remember 1971, my dad bought a Sony 19-inch color TV, the first color TV we ever had, 19-inch. My screen in my car is 15 inches. 19 inches is big. And that 19-inch screen TV was about 600 pounds when you lifted it, too. Do you guys remember that? I mean, I'm telling you, we had Channel 2, which was ABC, CBS, NBC, and some 13, whatever it had. And when you watch the news, you watch Walter Conkright. Do you guys remember that? If you're over 50, you know what I'm talking about? He, he did both Kennedy's assassination, the, the landing of the moon, the beginning of the Vietnam War, the ending of the Vietnam War. He did everything. And so news back then was only 30 minutes a day. And it's interesting because the local news, I remember when the local news started, every Friday night, the anchor person, back then it was the anchor man, but the anchor person would do what's called a commentary. And they would say, this is a commentary, and they would put this whole disclaimer, these are not the views of the station, these are the views of this one person. But the law back then, FAA law, that when a person had a commentary, that by law it was required to hear the opposite view with the same time and the same time of the day. Now, a lot has changed, hasn't it? A lot has changed. And I remember when they broke it during the emergency. You know when they do an emergency, like they'd say, hey, the child missing, which that was, it was like assassination or something. When they did this, you couldn't watch the show again. There was no streaming. There was no VCR. And so the wonderful world of Disney on Sunday nights, if you're over 50, you know what I'm talking about. When that was interrupted, good luck. You're stuck. You're never going to see that episode again. And so Sunday night was my wonderful world of Disney or the Brady Bunch. And so what's interesting to me, that was a clear separation between news and opinions, news and commentaries. And so the news, pretty much, Walter Conkright, stuck to the facts. But it's interesting, in 1980, something changed. I was a junior in high school, June 1st, 1980, was the beginning of what we call 24-7 news channels. It was CNN. CNN started uh, June, 1st, uh, uh, June 1st of 1980, which instead of 30 minutes a day of news, you're getting 24-7 now. And in, the 19, in 1996, Fox News launched their 24-7 network. MSNBC uh, did their network. And so sometimes when we look at this, we go, oh my goodness, is this really news that we're watching? Or is this commentary that we're watching? So a good friend of mine and I had the, 
discussion about this on what influences. So I decided to do a test to me. And I decided that I'm going to watch my only news source for one week was CNN. And I watched it morning, noon, and night. And I listened to it on my car. And I go, oh my goodness, you get one neat, interesting perspective with CNN. Then the following week, I watched Fox News. All I watched was Fox News. It was a complete different story between CNN. And I'm going, oh, this is interesting to me. And what we, what we watch and stuff. And so what happens to this, when opposing opinions used to give equal time, then what happened in 2005, social media started exploding, which is Twitter and Facebook. And all of a sudden, you find out your Twitter feed or your Facebook feed. My, Twitter, my Facebook feed has retirement, retirement, retirement. And I go, how in the world they, do they know how old I am? NNRP. Yep, not NNRP. With AARP. Do you get those? Do you get offended with those? Oh, I do. I had started getting them six years ago, and I was going, geez. But somehow in social media, there's a propaganda going on. Somehow there's mis misformation, and we see that even on the news that some different countries can misinform us through social media. And so what happens in our society we are getting more divided, more divided, more divided, and we're polarizing each other. And basically, it's opinions on Facebook, it's opinions on Twitter, it's opinions largely on what type of news organization you decide to listen to. And what I'm fascinated with is when I follow Jesus, it's called disciple. You are a discipler, right? And if you look at the definition of disciple, Basically, even in the Google definition, it says the follower of Jesus. But what happens here is these days when a lot of what I call Christians, all of us, were being more discipled by CNN, more discipled by Fox News, more discipled by Rush Limbaugh, more discipled by Bill Maher. You like how I just went right down the middle there? <laughs> kind of balanced it out. And so, therefore, what's influencing us the most in our society ends up discipling us. And we've got to be very careful that we are not allowing Jesus to be the one that disciples us. Because what happens when we, I don't know if you've ever been in an echo chamber. You know when kids, like, drive down the tunnel and they honk the horn, they go, oh, it's cool, it's echoing. Or an echo chamber, basically when you're living in an echo chamber, you're listening to your own point of view. And so you're saying something that all, everyone else is saying. And so what happens with this echo chamber is that, therefore, who we listen to echoes our main influence. That we listen to something that would echo what we want to hear, right? If I want to hear certain things, I will listen to a certain station. If I want to hear the opposite, I will listen to a certain station. And that, therefore, instead... I need to be asking the question, how does my opinion line up with Jesus Christ? How does my opinion line up with his gospel? And I hate to say this, and I put it on the screen here. It says many followers of Jesus are spending more, way, 
time turning into partisan politic news, listening to partisan talk shows and on social media than they are spending in prayer and letting Christ speak to them through his word. I'm as guilty as I'll get out on this one. This is where the Lord just slam dunked me real hard. Because what happened, I was in an echo chamber. And I really needed to get knocked out of that echo chamber and really need to turn to the gospel. Now, the gospel reading is really fascinating because I'm telling you, the Bible was written thousands of years ago, but it's so stinking relevant now. Because follow me on the scripture here. At verse 10, I love Jesus. This is crazy. Now, he was teaching, this is Jesus, in one of the synagogues on the Sabbath. And just then, there appeared a woman with a spirit that had crippled her for 18 years. She had bent over and was quite able, unable to stand up straight. When Jesus saw her, he called her over and said, Woman, you are set free from your element. When he, laid her when he laid his hands on her, immediately she stood up straight and began praising God. But the leader of the synagogue, indignant because Jesus had cured on the Sabbath, Jesus kept saying to the crowd, they, uh, excuse me, uh, they kept saying to the crowd, there are six days in which work ought to be done. Come to those days and be cured and not on the Sabbath. Now, if you, I, I have never done a study on this. But it just seems like Jesus keeps on healing people on the Sabbath. You notice that? What well, you would think, Jesus, cool, cool down. You got six days. You know, do, why don't you do on this and let the religious leader? But somehow he chooses, and this is what I believe. This is my personal belief. Is that during the slave days in Egypt, when they freed them from slavery, the reminder of the Sabbath was a reminder that they weren't slaves anymore. That they didn't have to work seven days weeks week they only had to work six so to, to me it was basically remind them of their freedom i think the reason jesus chose the sabbath was to to free people from all anxiety free people from ones that haven't been healed to free people from elements in their lives and the healing but there's a problem with this it's on the screen jesus was using his action to disciple people very differently from the way they were discipled by the human opinion of the religious leader. The religious leaders had turned the Sabbath into another form of bondage. Their point of view turned people into slaves on the Sabbath instead of the Sabbath being about their freedom. Here's the problem with human, human opinions is that when you have them, we have to be right. So I have strong opinions on a lot of things. But when I share my opinion and someone challenges my opinion, then there's a game of who, who's right. Right? See, even my opinion right there, I want to be right. <laughs> it works. And so, follow me on the screen. You hold tightly on your opinions because our egos demand to be right. To be right means someone else has to be wrong. Now, unfortunately, we often take this step further by demonizing those we think are wrong. They are no longer are just people who disagree with us. Instead, they're, instead we view them as evil. And once we can label someone as evil, we are just a step away from feeling justified in doing away with them in some form or another. And so what, what's fascinating here is they were in a battle on who was right. 
Was it the religious leaders of those days or was it Jesus? It was a battle on who was being discipled in the right way. And so Jesus was a threat to the form of discipleship. And so when you look at this, this is where it gets crazy. Poor Jesus. I mean, I'm telling you, I really feel for the guy when he was here because he was dealing with a lot of knuckleheads. But they started demonizing Jesus. Okay, this, this cracks me up. Watch on 14. The dude's healing. Now he was casting out demons that were mute. When the demon had gone out, the one who had been mute spoke, and the crowds were amazed. But some said, he casted out demons by this name. Now what's interesting, that name is a demon. So they were accusing Jesus for using demons to cast out demons. So basically they were saying they villainized or demonized Jesus. They made it personal. They didn't see the thing as. So this is a human behavior thousands of years ago. See on the screen, they accused Jesus of using the power of Satan to cast out demons. They demonized Jesus and put him in an evil category. And once they labeled him as evil, they felt justified in doing away with him, which is exactly what they tried to do, to do eventually. Last week, I talked about how we need to attack the problems, not the people. And this week, I'm focusing on what happens when we spend too much time tuned in to other people's opinions. On the screen, it becomes easier for us to begin to buy into rhetoric over reality and opinions over facts. And so these, this season, I'm talking about this today, is because I'm afraid the partisan voices that we're paying attention to are moving us away from the voice of Christ himself. The voice of Christ challenges us. It doesn't matter if we feel like we're right or wrong. And see, what's fascinating to me is we, in our little echo chamber, we will read scripture that will justify our own way of thinking. And we go, I'm right, instead of being transformed and changed and being a new creation. A new creation is not a one-time stop thing. I constantly need to be a new creation, constantly need to be challenged, constantly need to be moved. Let me give you an example that's an extreme example. I've told you many times, if you go to the Museum of Tolerance, I'm a big fan of Museum of Tolerance. I shouldn't say a fan. I don't, when I leave there, I'm not going, ooh, that was great. But it really shows you some deep stuff. And you'll learn this on the screen. In 1933, when Hitler rose to power, the population in Germany was approximately, and I'll get this, 67% Protestant, 33% Catholic. Add the math. That's 100%. 100% Germany. 100% Christian Catholic. Or all Christians, however you look at it. Although we know many Christians were opposed to Hitler back in those days, especially when it came to power, so-called German Christians were discipled more by Hitler and more by the Hitler party than they were. You have to understand, we, we uh, went to a uh, speech from a Holocaust uh, survivor, this was years ago, and she said the first people that were in the gas chamber were not Jews. 
were German Christians and German gays were the first ones that were gassed in the gas chamber. So the Christians that stood up to Hitler were taken care of. And so when you look at this, and I'm not saying this, I'm not saying Fox News or CNN is Hitler. I'm not saying that at all. But I'm saying we need to be very careful that we have to allow ourselves to be discipled by Christ, not by people's opinions, not by CNN, not by Fox News, not, not about this, but Jesus himself. And so therefore, when we go in this echo chamber, it amplifies our own opinions. And therefore, you will find yourself out, because I found myself out, that I was getting angrier and angrier and angrier. And then I was looking at people, not with Christ's love. I just assumed that they had a particular view that I didn't like. See how dangerous I can get? And so we have to allow ourselves to really constantly be uh, disciples Jesus and the Word of God. Now I saw this on the um, the website on a a forum that was titled "I don't know how Democrats and Republicans can be true Christians." And what happens when we do this? We demonize groups of people. Now we're all demonizing everybody that's involved in politics. And they say this: you cannot be a true, true Christian. When you're involved in politics, that is not true. That is absolutely not true. The partisan echo chambers creates what's called confirmation biases. Now, follow me on the screen. Confirmation biases, and we do this a lot, the tendency to search for and to interpret favor and to recall information in a way that affirms one prior belief or hypnosis. Hypothesis. Hey, I'm not perfect. Back to the gospel story this morning. The religious leaders were in an echo chamber. They were biased. They had confirmation biases that Jesus, there's no way in the world he should be healing on the Sabbath. In fact, they accused him and they demonized him. But he was doing incredible work for the kingdom. And so, therefore, if we hold tightly on our confirmation beliefs, and we have to be right, this is where I've learned. When I first went into ministry at age 23, I knew it all. I knew it all. That's when you hire me. You know, when I came here, I didn't know anything. But the thing is, when you know it all, you don't, you're not teachable. You're not teachable. You don't allow the Holy Spirit to move because what happens next week, I'm going to deal with a whole other circumstances that I'm going to face that what I thought was this is the right way to do it, I'm on a learning curve now. But I got Jesus that I got to figure this out and I got to deal with it and I got to show his love. On the screen, in the next year leading up to this election, can we determine to be disciples by Jesus and not the voices that confirm our biases? and to demonize those on the other side. When I started this series, I started on Second Chronicles. that says, if my people were called by my name, humble themselves, prayed, seek my face, turn from their wicked ways, then I will hear from heaven and will forgive their sin and heal their land. Let's review this. If my people were called by my name, 
Our first allegiance is to Christ and the kingdom, not our political party or our nation. The last week we focused on, well, humble themselves. Pride is what causes us to attack people. Humility acknowledges our own part of the problem. And this week, we'll pray and seek my face. Let's get back to following Christ through prayer and hearing, not the words of Fox and CNN. That's what we need to do. So my challenge here is, if it was good enough for my parents, 30 minutes a day, news, it's good enough for us. But I'm telling you, take your time getting, getting into the Word of God. Take your time of learning what God wants you to do, what God is calling you to do, and humbly pray. Back on the screen, we'll be focused on healing and restoration, just as Jesus was when he healed women from a crippled disease on the Sabbath. We need Christ to heal our land from the crippling politics and set us free. The Democrats and Republicans can't do that. Only Christ can, so let's pray and seek his face. Now, if you notice, I put in the bulletin, and this is where I had to be very careful, but I, I decided the news that I'm listening to, is, is it leftist or rightist? Is it left or the right? And so in that, I put two copies, two different, two different points, and you can see whatever news you're listening to, does it go? Now, the far right is... Um, or far one is, I forget the one, the guy that says Sandy Hook was fake. You know, I know none of you watched super far left or super far right, but I would encourage you to see if you're partisan. Now, in closing, I want to share this with you. You know, I, I keep joking about our, our comment about uh, no judgment, only love. And we judge a lot, right? Especially in our political view. Last week I showed you this, uh, this lady named Jennifer who was um, in 30 years old, has a uh, terminal disease, and our own Jessica uh, is her good friend. And, uh, and so I got a text this morning at 623 that she says, it doesn't look good. And so at 3 this morning, she married her fiancé. At 9.51 this morning, she passed. 19 people in a room. Do you really think they really care about politics in that room? Do you think so? Do you think that that love in that room of 19 is a love that covers the multitudes of craziness, multitudes of sins? Life is precious. And we got to be very careful. Our own Jessica, who was in the room this morning, she texted me and she just said, she's gone. She needs our love. She needs our care. I don't need to be getting these messages right before church service that she's gone. But this is life. This is why our mantra is no judgment, only love. Jessica, this family, these 19 people that are probably together right now don't need judgment. They need the love of Christ. And that's what Christ says over and over. If you want to be known as my disciples, how you love one another. That's it. That's all he requires us to be, to love one another. So be careful. Be careful. 
about getting into this partisan stuff. But you got to show the love of Christ.